0: You're listening to the I Love You Keep Going podcast with George Haas. For more information, please visit our website at www.metagroup.org. That's ww.metagr-p.org. So welcome, everybody. This is I Love You Keep Going. It is April 28th, 2022 at 7.35 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Um I was hoping that in the last session we would be able to wrap up this uh, advanced mentalizing stuff, but we didn't actually get all the way through it. So I thought that I would just see how far we get today. One of the things that I really would like to be able to do is to tie together the metacognitive skills list from the Dan Brout, um, Ken Wilber, um, angler uh, list and then uh, tie it into the modern list that's in the hansi Freinach, uh book which is a more uh, systematic approach and less a spiritual approach um, <clears throat> when we were talking about this last time we got through the 12th stage of this which is the systematic stage 18 and above uh, if at all And that is where uh, you can identify patterns among linear relationships thus forming systems of relationships among abstract variables and how these interact, can thereby also solve equations uh, with several uh, unknowns. The first post-formal stage, it is not described by Piaget, but uh, implicated in Kohlberg's work. Um, ...begins to discuss legal systems, social structures, uh, ecosystems, economic systems, and the like, and can be found in about 20% of human adults, usually after the age of 18. Um, So if you can uh, uh, mentalize at this level, you can begin to have a sense of how everything works, our our system works. how relationships work but it does point to uh uh, certainly a part of the way in which our our overall system of society works that 80 percent of people don't reach this point in mentalizing and so when we look at the intractable nature of problems that we have in the world it it becomes uh, more understandable that We have not yet developed an education system or or other uh, systems in our society that would help people develop the capacity to mentalize enough to understand what to do. I often uh, wonder about that, um, and also how to then teach mentalizing at that level. One of the reasons that I like Vipassana meditation uh, so much is because it's really good at teaching mentalizing. It's, teaching you to monitor and track the processes of uh, yourself and your perception of the world Uh, first we divide everything up into these strands and then we watch the strands come together to form the experiences that we have and as you push into your meditation practice and uh, examine it you begin to see that uh, conceptual reality is something that you create based on your conditioning and it's not uh necessarily an accurate representation of what actually is happening and then you can begin to track uh, where you distorted things based on conditioning then this is actually the basis of uh, understanding mentalizing and once you're able to track that at 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 your own system level and begin to have a uh, an understanding of that you can then uh, take that same skill and begin to examine the larger systems around you. The meta uh, uh The meta systemic stage, early twenties and above, if at all, can compare and synthesize several systems with different differing logics, put together meta systems or conclusions that hold true across different systems, reflect upon and name general priorities of systems understands that things can be homomorphic isomorphic etc, this means that you can see how one system can be changed in. uh, corresponding or different differing ways to another system and can be found in about 1.5% of the adult population usually after the early 20s, so I think. um, this is really one of the things that stands out the most to me in the nature of the uh, for instance the political dialogue that we have we have these two sides that represent the the idea of the system that we live in so differently uh, that if you cannot synthesize these two different systems and understand them and then relate them across the two systems uh, it's not really possible to have a dialogue that means the same thing to either half which is one of the reasons why uh, we get so polarized in our discussions and how um it's so easy to uh, take umbrage or have uh, your feelings hurt or really see a kind of extreme <clears throat> uh um uh uh aside the meaning of fairly extreme intention to the other side. Um, Because the meaning of the representations on one side do not mean the same thing to the other side, the definitions are not the same. When one system expresses itself, uh, the other system takes up the meanings that that system knows and assigns the meaning from there. Because the meanings are so different, it creates these very stark uh, uh, versions of reality um, that you can even make intentional because of the way that the experience is formed is that making sense so far so that if you can then mentalize at a level where you can understand each of the systems and then link the meanings even though the expressions are different across the systems that it actually begins to facilitate a communication where each side is being heard uh, uh, by the other side and where there is a mutual intention that can be aligned and there's a possibility of moving forward with that I think um, one of the things that I appreciated so much about Dan Brown's teaching was that he was able to do that with the traditional Tibetan uh, practices of teaching And uh, the Western uh, pedagogic uh, experience that most of us have so that he could relate uh, those early teachings in a way that that resonated in the language of uh, our current Western society, which I often find doesn't happen with other teachers and so the, the the traditional teachings remain this very barren place, rather than something that feels alive and connected. Uh, The pragmatic stage, mid-20s and above, if at all, can deal with several very abstract meta-systems to create new ways of thinking above the world, new paradigms, new sciences, or uh, branches within scientists, has a fractal way of thinking so that the universal principles found are applicable to many different levels of analysis and phenomena, prevalence unknown. But if the pattern holds and every stage seems to increase, with uh, about a standard deviation it should be little more than one adult in a thousand in the normal population mostly above the age of 25 this makes it rare still some three million people in the world
1: um
0: so when you move past the <clears throat> possibility of relating more than one system You move into a place where you actually can create a a system or a new paradigm of of thinking, which is quite unusual Um, in Western psychology. Of course, we sort of we we give that to to Freud and then the development from there in uh, Buddhism, um, we we talk about the Buddha being this uh, seminal uh, person who uh, devised a, a view of the world that's quite different. But if you look over the course of history, there aren't so many people that have come up with a whole new paradigm in which we can understand the nature of uh, this uh, human life. Um, I think that in in Dan Brown's work with the development of ideal parent figure in that paradigm, it actually is that synthesis of the two systems of ma um, mudra and western psychology and then that there is a, a shift there uh and then 15 is cross a para uh, stage can deal with several paradigms to create new fields examples are newton's reformulation of physics darwin's uh theory of evolution einstein's theory of revo- relativity the invention of quantum physics the invention of chaos mathematics ...complexity, the invention of computing, the invention of postmodern philosophy, the invention of holistic integrated theory of Ken Wilber, the invention of string theory, the invention of... uh, ...MHC theory, I'm not sure what that is. Uh, ...prevalence unknown, found only in adults over 20 and who have privileged circumstances and most often shows up around age 30, no reliable test for that stage. wouldn't it be nice if we could teach more people to be able to do that (laughs) come up with a systematic approach where uh, you could go through these stages and as you uh, see it um, uh, come into uh, the capacity to do this since we need uh the earth and us on the earth needs a lot of help at the moment (laughs) uh Christian
2: But I mean, like a lot of the people that create those kinds of theories are weirdos, aren't they? You know, so like, are they advanced in in terms of mentalizing or do they have a... Or just weird. Right. They have like a very (laughs) narrow set of abilities that like, I mean, their attachment stuff could be totally jacked up, but they might have like this really specific, you know, like I maybe this is sort of similar to like the tortured artist idea, but um, maybe that's not necessary for it. But like if you're getting to these levels of being able to synthesize well, it, these ideas, is that actually high mentalizing across the board? Or is that just a really specific thing?
0: Well, it did say in the in the description that it's a very privileged place. So that if you look at these uh, people that did all of those things, by and large, they're uh in a privileged place in society where they actually have the the resources to be able to engage in the activities that would lead to that whereas um, most people don't have that um, one of the things that attachment uh, uh theory demonstrates to us is that our um our concern for the well-being of children and what we do as a society to support the development of children is fairly weak uh, if you look at um, the spectrum of secure functioning attachment in the whole population when when 28 percent of people are have secure uh, uh, attachment and 72 percent don't uh, then you really understand that it's an astonishingly low bar to have secure attachment. Uh, you know, 30% of the time you have to have your needs met in a good enough way, not perfectly. Um, so for 72% of the population, that doesn't really happen. Um, and then the uh the difficulties that arise from that, the the inequality in terms of the distribution of resources is also a problem.
1: Um, um,
0: it, it's hard to know that uh, um, whether he would have to be this extraordinary weirdo with a lot of privilege in order to be able to pull this off or that it, it's more uh, the, the capacities are more widely distributed but they're not developed in a way in people because of the distribution of uh, resources is that
1: making sense
0: you know in our uh, structured society in our racist society uh you don't even get to start you don't even get to play uh, if you're not in the right group um, so it's hard to know what the the distribution of that. Would be uh, in a, in something that was actually a level field, level playing field. Um, maybe this is a the place for depth. Depth is also something to consider. One of the things that happens in privilege of is that you don't really develop depth. Um, So uh, depth, of course, is this capacity to bridge different states uh, and uh, integrate the experience of the different states so that you, you have fluidity of moving between the understanding of what those states are like. And people who tend to have a lot of privilege don't tend to have a wide range of states that they've had to navigate throughout their lives. So they don't have that integrated knowledge that people who have harsh circumstances uh have uh and i think it's one of the reasons why in, in this country the buddhist uh, buddhist practice has striated in the way that it it has where you see in the in the sort of uh theravada uh movement it's it's mainly upper middle class or or better off uh, jokingly called the upper middle way and in some circles um, and it's predominantly white, it's predominantly educated. Uh, uh, there's v- not a lot of space for people who aren't resourced, so that you'll notice that the retreats, although they might seem moderate to you, are very expensive for most people, unaffordable for most people, uh, except in that particular demographic. So And then you go to these centers, which are quite um, posh uh and uh, meet similar kinds of people in the nigerishan uh um buddhist tradition uh it's primarily poor people and primarily people of color i would say 80 percent or so people of color uh, we it's also called prosperity buddhism so it's really about trying to climb up the 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 uh, um to find the wherewithal to actually move out of uh, uh, poverty move out of those kinds of restrictions into something that's better um which would make sense um there's a a, a lot of conversation in in the uh, uh in the world that I'm in about how do we diversify the sanghas that we have which are primarily white and one of the things that we would need to do is to teach something that was relevant to people who are not already affluent but it's completely uninteresting to people that are already affluent and since they're the ones who are providing the funding for the the centers and the 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 topics that it doesn't come up really um One difference in the metagroup world, of course, is that we're focused on attachment. And so there is a portion of the uh, uh, affluent that have insecure, disorganized attachment. But when you compare the spreads in the general population, 28% are secure, <coughs> 20% are dismissing, 20% are preoccupied, and 32% are disorganized. When you get up into the affluent group it's 65 percent are secure 15 is missing 15 percent preoccupied and less than five percent of people are disorganized so it's a whole different level of functioning in the in the two worlds and because of the 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 uh, lack of depth in the affluent world there's very little understanding for the difficulties that come from having traversed these multiple Levels of difficulty, and there's a tremendous uh, impatience that happens. I notice or at least as my personal experience in teaching classes is uh, the people that don't function very well go really slowly, and it's really hard for them to mentalize or to grab any kind of concepts and the people who are already affluent get it right away and want to go fast. they want to go at their speed, but if we went at their speed, they mentalize so much faster than People who haven't got that level attachment, we would have to leave them behind, and there isn't a kind, isn't enough compassion or a sense of value in going at the pace where the lower end of of uh, functioning people need to go, and so it creates this divergence where the the people who can already mentalize. Uh, and already set goals and or and know how to achieve them want to go at that pace and then the other people go you know incrementally and very slow but let me talk about the these the scales of um, depth the lower states the first one is hell that's the bottom uh, the second one is horrific so phenomenal. Phenomenological logical reality breaks down. Tortured is three. Tormented is four. Then you move into the middle states, a very uneasy, uneasy, uncomfortable, somewhat easy, okay, full of small faults is seven. Eight is satisfied, well. Nine is good and lively. Ten is joyous, full of light, invigorated. And then the high states are the Vast, grand, open, the blissful, the saintly, and then the enlightened and spiritual unity. So if you came from a uh, an experience of life that uh, the, the most difficult it was, was somewhat uneasy, uh, even if you transcend to a blissful and saintly, uh, it's, it, it isn't encompassing the lower states at all, really. So there's no understanding of that um if you don't integrate the experience of it uh, then uh, of the lower states then what you tend to be is a uh, trauma reactive rather than deep and and that often happens I notice is that the integration hasn't been developed in people and so um, when the the uh, process of recognizing uh, associations to lower states happen uh, it it creates a a um a uh, phenomenological uh, reality break in, in in their ability to perceive uh, conceptual reality. So you you know just to review it, you have the capacity to sense something, an object which can be sensed if there's contact. A consciousness of that sensing experience arises, which is evaluated for urgency, needs immediate attention. Doesn't really matter if you get to it. Pleasant, if there's time, then that's compared to the perceptual database. And if there's a previous experience that's close enough to the a raw, undifferentiated fixing experience, that meaning is associated with that sensing experience and it flips into conceptual reality. If the mind is equanimous, then it's a pretty good transfer. And if there's different kinds of views or mind states present in there, then the, the way that conceptual reality is formed is <coughs> distorted. And so what we begin to do in the meditation practice, of course, is try to track the distortions to see what's actually happening. So we can tell the difference between when we've created a, a fairly good version of conceptual reality and when the mind is, say, angry and it's distorted things, or when the mind is joyful and it's distorted things.
1: Um, and the list that Dan and,
0: uh, um, uh, and Ken Wilber's, uh, created, uh, I don't know, it's probably 40 or 50 years ago at this point. Um, their, their focus was more on the development of spiritual your spiritual sense, so the list that I read before was really a more anchored in systems understanding, and this list is more around. Um, uh, de- being able to track your spiritual development so that we're practicing meditation we're taking on these different practices that we do. Is there some way that you could gauge whether the practice was actually having the desired effect that you. Uh, wanted are you actually able to gauge what that uh, effect would be and then so in the basic skills which we talk about quite a bit um awareness of the state of mind of self and others so awareness that you have a mind state and other people have a mindset and that they're different and that that's actually just how it is uh, what happens when you don't mentalize at that level of course is that you think that you're creating a version of reality that's accurate that everybody's having the same experience that you are and creating the same version of reality that you are and the, you can then assign intention and meaning to the actions that they take because they're inhabiting the same experience that you are inhabiting so we call that non-mentalizing or uh, psychic equivalence mode using the Peter Fonicky Anthony Bate, Bateman list. (coughs) What happens next is monitoring the the uh, accuracy of the state of mind so as we begin to practice meditation as we begin to track the sensing experiences. As they activate and then the meaning we assign to them, we begin to understand, are we accurately creating a version of what's happening or is there a distortion there, so we begin to be able to track the different mind states. Uh, three is awareness of one's own influence on another's state or behavior and vice versa. So if you look at the Satipatthana Sutta, the Buddha described this as mindfulness of inside, mindfulness of outside, and mindfulness of inside and outside. So can you track that? This is the experience I'm having. This is the action and I take. It has an effect on the other person. Can I understand the effect that it's having? And then they respond, and that has an effect on me and I. And I track all of that in real time. And the fourth one is becoming <laughs> becoming aware of one's state of mind in such a way that it has a regulator regulating effect on that. So we call this, uh, <coughs> or I like to talk about it as emotional regulation. Uh, Do you have strategies that you can use to regulate the experience that you have when you react to the conditions of the present moment, so we have uh, using Dan Siegel the window of tolerance if we uh, react to the present moment. In a way that that exceeds the window of tolerance and we're in a dysregulated state, do we have effective strategies that we can bring to regulating those experiences christian
2: is the way that you just formulated that maybe i'm reading too much into it but it almost sounds like it's implying that actually being aware of your mind state itself can have a regulating effect on it and i think i've experienced that
0: yes i would agree that one of the reasons that we use metajana and the way that we practice is that we want you to be able to recognize the mind state and then we want you to have agency into pulling an afflictive mindset and replacing it with a beneficial mind state so that you can do that in real time that's the, that's the training of this particular aspect of uh,
2: mentalizing but i don't even mean that i mean sort of prior to that like today i was sitting i was sitting and thinking about work and making myself angry thinking about how stupid work is And then I was watching my mind state go up and down. And then I was like, okay, my mind state's going up and down. But just me watching it kind of gave me some space with it. Right. I didn't have to do anything intentionally. I didn't have to do any like meta practice or anything like that as a result. No, but I just started laughing, thinking about how. You were already able to mentalize
0: that well enough that you could track the mind state. Right. How did you learn to do that?
2: Bob probably threw all this, all this crap. (laughs) You could have also learned it at home
0: with your caregivers if they were attentive. I don't know about that one.
1: All
0: right. I'm happy to take uh, all the credit, but only if it's deserved. (laughs) The fifth one is awareness of one's own and another's action plans or goal directedness. So this is about agendas and this should happen very early in 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 life when you're about 18 months old is really when this begins to happen that you recognize that you're autonomous and you have an agenda and that other people have are autonomous and have an agenda and that you can negotiate agendas is that making sense so the example that's often given with children is the child is hungry and wants to be fed, but they know that then the caregiver has to prepare the food for them to eat. So once they make the demand that they want to be fed, and they see that the caregiver is then preparing the food, they can stop their demand for being fed because they know that the caregiver has to prepare the food. So the caregiver prepares the food and then uh, brings it to feed the, the child. But the child has had the recognition that their communication has landed. It's had the effect that they want. And then they can wait that uh, period that's necessary. And that's uh, the process of that. But then in adult relationships, of course, we all have our own agendas and uh, purposes. And uh, in adult relationships, you have to be able to negotiate those. Stop, Lucy, stop. Making sense. Number six is meaning making, and these are this, this is the basic level of spiritual development. Meaning making. <clears throat> can you track uh, the satisfaction that you get from doing different activities, and and can you create a hierarchy of that, so that you, and then can you organize your life in such a way that you spend more of your life. Engaged in things that are meaningful to you? Um, Or another way to put that is do you explore well and have you learned to explore well? Do you know how to pursue things that have meaning and resonate with you? Or do you not know how to do that so that you don't actually know how to find meaning in the things that you do? And we move up into the intermediate uh, skills recognition of how the past shapes one experience one's experience and this is where we're really beginning to examine the perceptual database and uh, how we tend to habitually form the experience of the present moment you might uh, talk about fixed views in this particular uh, place beginning to recognize that uh, certain responses are automatic and create these fixed views and that, that it limits the capacity to recognize all of the possibilities that unfold in each moment um, because of the restrictions that come um, from the way that we've uh, um, um, habitually created uh, the experience of conceptual reality so number two in the intermediate stage is appreciating the relativity of mind states
1: Um, this is,
0: uh, again, really understanding that, uh, the difference between ultimate reality and conceptual reality, uh, that, uh, mind states, uh, change the way that that experience uh, the, or the perception of conceptual reality can be created and that mind states uh, uh, come and go. Uh, and you can experience this the uh, present moment through a lot of different mind states which creates a very different perception of uh, the experience that you're having. you do, do uh, is that ma- making sense. How does the world appear if the mind the mind state is uh, anger? How does it appear if the mind state is loving kindness? How does the experience that you're having, if, even if it's the same spirit experience, differ with that the, the mind state that's there? Is that making sense? Number three, seeing beyond information given more deeply into underlying assumptions and ex expectations related to the information. So again, we're really diving into the capacity to to mentalize. Uh, If you looked at it through an attachment lens, for instance, you would take in the idealizing of a dismissing person, but at the same time, recognize that the ideal version that they're presenting is not supported by any details or any uh, suggestion that what they're presenting actually happened and then you would begin to investigate uh, um what might be on what might be on the experience um so we were talking about this earlier today um, um reviewing a an ideal parent session and the speaker was very idealizing but there was no evidence to support anything that he was saying and uh toward the end of the interview it became clear that actually the ideal version wasn't what was happening that he was angry and covering the anger with idealizations. So that you would begin to understand the presentation actually needs to be supported and if it isn't supported how you would investigate what's actually happening rather than just the appearance of what's happening it's a higher degree of mentalizing making sense Um, optimizing action plans in the face of an accurate awareness of limitations one of the things that happens in idealizing um which is the dismissing side or in the preoccupied side uh there's an imagined uh special relationship that is often created in the mind of a preoccupied person um and that's not tied into the actual uh, uh agreed upon uh a relationship with the other person uh, let me know if I'm getting too uh difficult to understand as I try to describe this um, What happens to preoccupied uh, people in this experience that they have of a special relationship with someone else, where the other person doesn't actually have that experience. Is an abrupt and humiliating shame inducing experience when the reality is revealed, so what we need to begin to do is actually uh, track what these agreements are explicitly between. Uh, the people that you're in relationship to, and base your uh, intentions and actions to them um, based on the collaborative relationship, not on your version of it, which you actually haven't explicitly validated with the other person. Fostering sensitivity to contextual effects on behavior
1: Um, we were talking about this in the other system in a way
0: Have you ever had an intimate relationship with someone and the relationship is really smooth and easy and then uh, they want you to meet their family and so you go home with them (laughs) and they act completely differently than anybody you've ever met before (laughs) because they're in a different context that has a lot of uh, uh connections a lot of effects on behavior and that you would then be sensitive to recognizing that the context in which the person is has an effect on on the way that they uh, present themselves and you would you would. uh, find a way of relating with that without getting completely undone by the experience of the person that you know is acting. (coughs) in a completely different way does that make sense. Christian.
2: Is that is that a sign of some kind of dysfunction or is that a totally different thing? Because I, I have had this I, I have this ideal for myself that I, I could be sort of the same person in every context, which is kind of absurd when you say it out loud. But is that like a realistic is that like a secure thing or is that kind of a sign of some kind of insecure functioning?
0: I would say the more authentic you are, the more likely it is that you'll be similar in uh, um, across different circumstances, but that uh, because the the experience of the present moment always arises dependent on the conditions of the present moment, different conditions are gonna create an, a different effect. Um, and that the, the sensitivity to that is to understand The context in which the the person is responding uh, so that you can really understand what's happening with them, rather than getting uh, disoriented by uh, how different they can be. Um, So rather than saying, I can't believe you did that to me, you would say. This is so out of character. Why are you acting that way? What not from an accusatory place, but from help me understand what's happening so that i can better respond to it and then the sixth one in the intermediate is the perspective taking or the ability to consider something from another's point of view so that's really that that final step there where you really are seeing the person in the context that they're in and understanding how they're reacting to it
1: um You know
0: there's a i think there's a an english colloquialism uh if i were you then i would maybe i would do the same thing but i'm not you um so really being able to to to, uh, take that in then when we move into the advanced metacognitive skills taking a wider super systemic perspective so then we're getting into a, a match with a meta-modern list of being able to understand a particular system, being able to understand more than one system and then possibly beginning to bridge across systems. Now, number two is developing metacognitive awareness of past and present self and other child adult orientations, I think, in we might be. Um, um, able to describe this in the experience of self-arising and the perspective of self that arises. Um, <clears throat> one of the practices that's Western that we sometimes do is called forgiveness practice, and the phrases are, forgive me, I forgive you, I forgive myself, and it's actually a pretty good way to begin to understand the perspective, that self-perspective. Uh, forgive me so you're holding responsibility in your current self forgive me Uh, i forgive you you could for instance hold your present moment self and forgive a past self for some transgression and that would be a different perspective a different orientation Um, i forgive myself that either could come from the perspective of the present moment experience, or also come from the perspective of two self-experiences being held at the same time. Um, I forgive you, uh, meaning another self experience. I forgive myself. Uh, two self experiences. There. Is that making sense? Um, so what's coming to mind is chef borari, chef borardi ravioli when you were a kid did you eat chef boyardee ravioli no i grew up in chicago in the 50s and so the whole world was entranced with canned foods um um chef boyardee was a little chef on the, the can and it was filled with ravioli and it came in a tomato sauce um and as a child, if I hold that perspective, I loved Chef Borei de ravioli, but I have happened to eat them as an adult and it tasted. <laughs> like. Uh, sugar syrup dumped on soggy noodles, it was a horrifying experience. <laughs> um, did you ever have uh, SpaghettiOs when you were a kid? Uh, little brown pasta things (laughs) (coughs) and a tomato sauce if you eat it it's there's so much sugar in it it's like a dessert and the noodles are completely mushy you can hardly even uh, feel them with with your teeth you could dissolve them with your uh, tongue just by rubbing them against the roof of your mouth but They were a highly coveted gourmet treat for a child. (laughs) Can you hold both of those? The delight of the child eating SpaghettiOs and the adult version that would never uh, go anywhere near them. (laughs) (laughs) Awareness of the degree of organization or coherence of one's mind. This is quite... (laughs) Been talking all day. On a scale of one to ten, ten being totally coherent coherent, and one being totally incoherent, where is your mind now? Can you develop that capacity in real time to track that? Um, How coherent (coughs) is your narrative? Do you understand? what happened to you do you understand the effects that it had on you Do you understand how that informed the decisions that you made that have gotten you to the place where you are now or can you not really explain that very well how coherent is that um coherence of mind of course uh, is affected by the level of stress that you're in can you track in real time the ups and downs of the capacity to to think coherently at a certain point, when emotional dysregulation gets so great, you can't uh, mentalize. Can you track the, the loss of mentalizing uh, in real time? Um, number four is recognition of interdependence. In attachment, of course, we talk about this in terms of the development of collaborative relationship skills, but we're all born as auto we're totally disconnected um from any kind of thinking way of relating to other people but as our brains develop in the first months of life uh if a caregiver comes regularly enough then uh, we begin to orient toward an external regulator and if they're reliable enough as the brain develops we enter into a collaborative experience of regulation with them um and we recognize the value of it and also the the interdependence that's required of that Uh, as we get older and we begin to uh, express ourselves authentically we begin to understand that in that interdependent relationship with someone else we're actually able to see ourselves reflected back in their uh, experience of us and we're able to track that and understand that Um, how we know ourselves actually comes through that reflection and uh to then begin to evaluate it, we would I often call it valuing (coughs) attachment valuing that interdependence that we really can't survive in a thriving way if we are uh, not uh interdependent with other people and then we can extend that outward to interdependence on all of the systems uh, of the planet we're on, of the world. Um, number five is uh, articulating ultimate concerns.
1: In the meditation world,
0: then we would be, I think, focusing on um, the the goal of enlightenment and really understanding the nature of the human condition and our uh place in it and then being able to actually express those uh uh, concerns so that we understand them and we're also able to articulate them six is direct non-representational awareness of a wider reality um So um, these are, I usually think of these as unitive experiences, um, merging experiences in Zen, the expansive experiences, sometimes in Theravada and sometimes in Tibetan practice, where you're uh, in the experience of awareness and phenomena is arising and passing. Uh, and uh it 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 doesn't need to be fixated into anything in particular you're just be able to hold the whole experience of awareness and uh, inhabit that in in dan's teaching that, that was the the six lamps uh uh teaching <coughs> which uh creates that kind of spaciousness, where you're simply awareness. Uh, in jhana, what we're talking about then is probably eighth jhana, if you've, if you've done the shamatha kind of work. Uh, um, I've ne- not ever really practiced uh, Zen, but I understand from people's descriptions of unitive experiences that it can be, it, it makes sense to me that it would be similar and then the last one is the highest order metacognitive skills such as spacious freedom and wisdom and so we might call that the experience of enlightenment um, and that complete freedom from identification uh, and uh, access to the wisdom mind that communicates really in in a way that is uh unconscious
1: not making sense as a map
0: Um, so what I think of as advanced mentalizing skills is all of these things together all of these different uh, lists uh, understanding the nature of them understanding where you are in terms of your development and then Focusing intentionally on moving from the place you are to the, the next level. And I've always appreciated Dharma maps and uh, these different kinds of Dharma maps. I like the uh, openness of the system, systemic approach of this, uh, uh, coupled with the spiritual approach to this, that we can use the systemic uh, science of the West and we can relate it to the the spiritual map and create this uh, um, capacity to communicate across these maps so that we can use the technology of these uh, old spiritual uh, practices to further the the development of mentalizing but also be able to frame it in a way that it isn't merely and I I use that uh with humorous quotes merely the the search for enlightenment but the the this the the place of an enlightened engagement in in the care of all of us together uh on the planet because we are getting to a place where uh we need to do uh, some system-wide changes or uh we're going to run out of food uh in a a scale that really i don't think we've we've experienced before now i know that we the history is a succession of these um tramplings of the four horsemen let's say but
2: uh (laughs) christian So, do you think that a practitioner that's not so much into dharma maps like maybe what i understand more of a zen approach like just kind of sit do you think they're missing out on something or not practicing some levels of mentalization through that approach
0: no i don't think that i think that in in uh, the understanding of the context of that system you move through uh, the process if you're in the rinzai end you're doing the koans and if you're in the soto end you're opening into awareness Um, what I notice or maybe my uh, complaint having grown up basically in Judeo-Christian society where uh, charity and involvement in community is more one more likely to be one of the spiritual tenets that are expressed uh, whereas in the Asian tradition where uh, karma often is the vehicle that uh, uh, absolves people from responsibility across the, the society. Uh, that we need, I I just have a strong sense that we need. Uh, to understand uh, the nature of the human condition and to apply it more in a more sy- systematic way so that everybody uh, has the possibility of being resourced to uh, pursue a meaningful life. And I don't think it's a question of not enough resources. I think it's a question of distribution of resources and and uh, that there needs to be some shift in this understanding of, because right now uh, in this country, we are just pulling all of the resources out of everybody and sticking them into the top 100th of a percent of the population now admittedly that will provide the very privileged few the opportunity to develop these advanced levels of mentalizing but can we rely on that and at what cost uh, really to the bottom 50 percent of people who just cease to exist Uh, uh, this troubles me and i and i um i don't think that uh practicing a an a thousand year old zen tradition uh is going to uh, move uh, uh the system much so engaging uh in the spiritual practices and in really seeing clearly and uh uh through the practices which really do illustrate this very well and teach this very well and develop the capacity for this uh advanced mentalizing and then to use the advanced mentalizing in these paradigm shifts that are, that uh, we
1: need um, and you know if we don't do
0: that then it will be what we've um, <coughs> created. And One of my favorite um, Zen sayings is, if you don't change the direction you're going, you're likely to end up where you're heading. So, uh, anyway, we have these existential threats, which I, I like to talk about. Uh, nuclear war uh, climate change and runaway tech and we seem to be in a moment in in our uh, existence here where all three of them seem to be quite pronounced um, and how uh, the the modern view is that uh, tech will technology will come up with <coughs> with a way of addressing this so that we don't have to change the system um, the postmodern view is uh, that uh uh you know they're relative relative values rather than absolute values but the destruction of the planets or species can't survive uh, seems different than that and then in this uh um metamodern perspective creating the capacity to communicate across these systems so that we actually can align without people having to abandon or adopt uh, somebody else's system. Really, uh, one of the things that we uh, tend to do is get very rigid in our thought processes and think that everybody has to see the world in the way that we see it, (coughs) which is the collapse of mentalizing. Um, i'm not particularly inclined to give up my metamodern perspective to adopt a postmodern or a modern or a post-faustian point of view and i have a great deal of trouble relating uh, the points of view of the different systems um and i said this earlier but the thing i appreciated about dan is he was so skillful at being able to relate the traditional tibetan practice to the Western mind so that these places that uh, with other teachers that I sit with just leave me completely uh, indifferent uh, we lively and engaging. Um, so. Um, what, do, what do you say we do a quick. Uh, period of sitting before we come to the end. And uh, I think I, I, I'm, um, I've said enough about advanced mentalizing, and we'll go on to a new topic <laughs> next time. <up. coughs> <coughs> so go ahead and uh, settle in. We'll do uh, some basic see, here feel. So any comments and questions about the practice we just did? Questions about something else? Thank you all for coming and practicing. Um, Let's see what's happening. We're going to do uh, a level one uh, in uh, the end of June into July. Um, I think it should be up on the website soon if that interests you. Uh, We're going to do another level two uh, starting uh, at the end of the summer um if you're interested in the attachment material that's our our scheduling for that we have an in-person retreat at seven circles in october
1: um yes
0: <clears throat> uh, it's on rizuku <coughs>
1: um,
0: And uh, we're just uh, doing a preliminary uh, putting together of uh, a meditation uh, trip to Asia for, for next uh, January, end of January and February, so 2023. We'll go to Chiang Mai in Thailand. Um, it's uh, going to be organized around ecotourism, which is, we're going to uh, meet. Uh, a monk and we're going to uh, walk around the base of this uh, mountain that's considered a, a holy site um exploring the different ecologies uh, staying with uh with local people uh, in the mountains and then once we get across the mountain we'll go to a monastery uh and uh, have a an instruction of uh, uh, uh in the Thai forest tradition of Theravada Buddhism. Uh, and then come down and I think I'm, I am curious about <coughs> Bangkok. And so maybe do a day there or a couple of days there. And then uh, the South of Thailand, uh, Phuket and the different places, uh, which are the, the sort of uh, where the the uh, spiritual bypassing community lives (laughs) go down there and see what they're up to they come home that's the idea so uh, we're we're hoping that we can get 15 people to come and so uh, as that develops I'll keep you informed but it's nice to be able to consider going back uh, to Asia to practice Um, obviously Myanmar is not in in a place where we can go back there um i offer the teaching uh, freely uh, but i do hope that you'll make a donation It help support me and also the work that we're doing at metagroup there's a link on the site f- to make a donation uh, really appreciate your practice thank you for coming and then we'll see you soon i hope somewhere along the path bye now